All right, well, let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's get right into the Word here this morning. We have an exciting message for us, as always. The Word of God is living and exciting. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we bow before you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the rich, living Word of God. As I come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I am trusting in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp a revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the Scripture. I thank you, Father, that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love <clears throat> to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding and removing all confusion, and that your word will enter every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith and removing all fear. In the name of Jesus, and we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please give somebody a high five before you sit down. Let somebody know that you're glad they're in church. Praise the Lord. Well, <clears throat> we just got back from a trip to New York. I can't give you details about that because of certain reasons, but I will talk to the prayer team on Tuesday night and share with them what happened. So anybody that comes to that meeting will be informed. But <clears throat> I just want to say this, that the devil is working feverishly right now to establish the kingdom of the Antichrist, and he is in the process of doing it, <clears throat> and most countries are way ahead of us. 90% of the countries are way ahead of us. We are actually behind uh, in the structuring of a one-world government. It's already in place, actually, and it's already operational in most countries, okay? So the whole world is moving in that direction. But we can stop this and hold it back and bring in a great revival. Because <clears throat> the tools of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. So we can do that. But we'll talk about that on, on Tuesday night, how we're going to deal with this and what's going on. Nevertheless, right now, the Spirit of God has instructed me to teach the children of God on how to overcome and have dominion, not only today, but in the future, no matter what happens to what happens in the future. We are overcomers. We have dominion. And God has encouraged me or, or led me or inspired me or leading me to share with the congregation messages that will build your faith and strengthen you for today and the time ahead. And so the next three messages are titled, The Cross Purchased Dominion. Say that the cross purchased our dominion. Say that the cross purchased our dominion. Again, the cross purchased our dominion. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say, I had to do this because I had to find out who I am. 
I had to go and see and find out who I am. Have you ever heard anybody say that? They don't know who they are, but they're going to go search now to find out who they are. And there are a lot of people like that in our world. Right now, there are a lot who are very confused about who they are. I mean, all this agenda stuff. You know? They don't know who they are. That's the reason. But we're going to find out this morning. We're going to deal with that. The next three sessions. We're going to know exactly who you are. And who God says you are. And you do not have to be afraid of any circumstances around you. All right? Are you ready? Now, please take your own Bible and open it. It's very important that you follow in your Bible. Because if you do that, child of God, you will find faith rise you never believed possible. Understanding of the Bible you never believed possible. And we put this on the screen for the folks who just come to church, they knew, that's why I do this. But for mature Christians, I encourage you, bring your Bible to church, right? And if you don't have one, we have plenty of good Bibles in the bookstore. All right. So, if you found Genesis 1, verse 26, then God said, now by the way, that word God you can write in your Bible is Elohim in the, in the Hebrew. The Hebrew, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. So the Hebrew Bible, that word is Elohim. And the direct translation in English for Elohim is God's, plural. God's, plural. So this says, then God's said. Now who are the gods? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christ, the Father gave authority. Christ spoke, and the Holy Ghost went out and brewed on the waters, and it was so. So you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all in absolute unity in creation here. All right, so then God said, let us, another word, us, right, more than one, make man in our image, our more than one, right, according to our likeness. So God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let us make man like ourselves. Let us make man on our like we are. Like we are. This is heavy duty, right? And let them have dominion. I love that word dominion. We'll talk about that in a minute. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In, his, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God made man and female in his own image. And gave them dominion. We'll talk about that, as I said, in a minute. Then God blessed them. And God said, by the way, there's only two genders here. Can you see that? How many genders did God create? Two. 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, be, be fruitful and multiply. Now, when the two genders come together, they can multiply. The man can't multiply on his own. The woman can't multiply on her own. But when the two come together, they can, right? And only those two <laughs> can cause multiplication. This is not rocket science. 
Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now underline that word subdue. I'll talk about that in a minute. Have dominion, there's the word dominion again, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so the word dominion, or the word subdue, the word subdue means, in, in English, from the Hebrew, it means conquer, you can write this down in the margin of your Bible, subdue means conquer, overcome, master, tame, bring into subjection. So God said, I want you to tame, master, and bring into subjection and rule. Actually, let's find out what the word dominion means now. The word dominion means to rule as the owner. To rule as the owner. So in other words, God gave the earth and all his creation to Adam as the owner. He made Adam the owner. Do you get that? That's why when Adam sinned, God couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't help man because he gave it all away. He gave it all away. I'll show you what he did, though. It's smarter than that. Now, God has a dream to create man in his own image and his own likeness. Now, why would God do that? God created man in his own image and likeness. Well, I have two reasons I believe he would do that. Number one, as a loving father God, God wanted a family who he could love with all of his heart and who would love him in return with all of their hearts. Because God is a God of love. So that's his priority. He wants to love and he wants to be loved. Right? First reason for creation. Second reason for creating man in his own image is God wanted to fellowship with the creation on his own level. So he created man in his own image and likeness because he wanted to fellowship with man on his own level. Right? Just imagine now, walking out into the green meadows in a nice morning, up to an old brown cow chewing the cud with a bell under his neck or her neck, whether the two. And you walk up to the cow, and for three hours you have a conversation with the cow. You walk away feeling stimulated, refreshed, encouraged because of what the cow said to you and your conversation. Is that true or not true? Definitely not true. God would not have fulfillment in any conversation if he created anything that was not on his own level. God made man on his own level so that he could have stimulating, meaningful conversation with man. Unfortunately, Adam yielded to Satan's temptations. He ate the forbidden fruit. And because of that, Adam lost that supernatural ability that God was working through him with. God was working through Adam, and Adam lost that. Now remember, Adam named all the animals. Right? He named all the birds. God brought them to Adam and said, Adam, what do you name this, this creature? And he named all the fish. And Adam gave names to every insect. And then he remembered all the names. 
and pass them on to the generations to come. Now, some folks can't remember a name for two minutes when they meet somebody. Never mind create thousands of names and then remember each name. Never mind that. There would have to be the supernatural ability of God working in Adam. Hello? You out there? Okay. He lost that. Adam was cut off from God because of his sin. Adam lost that intimate fellowship with God that he used to have. Adam immediately began, Satan immediately began to dominate Adam. Satan began to intimidate Adam because now Adam was helpless and hopeless without God's help, cut off. So Satan told Adam how weak he was. Satan told him how useless he was, and he began to believe all that. Satan made Adam sick, and Satan stole Adam's money, and Satan caused Adam to fight with his neighbor, and Satan put evil thoughts into the heart of Adam and man, and man was totally lost without hope of ever being saved. He had hell to look forward to, nothing else. God intended for man to fellowship with him on God's level. And God intended for Adam and man to manage the earth with God's wisdom and God's ability. But unfortunately, sin destroyed all of that. The only way God could rescue man from his dilemma was to send a new Adam to start all over again. To start all over again. And in my book on the covenant, I explain that God couldn't take the dust and make a new Adam out of that because the dust was not his. He gave it away to Adam. And now Satan was controlling all that Adam had. And then, you see, essentially, Adam became the God of this world. And then Satan took it illegally and immorally, legally but immorally. And then Satan became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says in the New Testament that Satan is the God of this world right now. So God went to Abraham and he said, if you make a covenant with me where everything I own is yours and everything you own is mine, then through your children, I can bring the seed. I can bring Christ, the second Adam, to the earth to rescue the human race. And Abraham said, okay. And he cut covenant with God. And in my book on the covenant, I explain how he did it. And then there was the test. He said, now, I want you to go and sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah, the very mountain where my son will die. And if you don't, I can't bring my son to die. I can't bring him to the earth to pay the price for human race's sin. So Abraham took Isaac, who's about to kill him, and God said, don't, and gave him a lamb. But the fact is that Abraham was willing to slay his own son. Therefore, because Adam was prepared to slay his son, that gave God the right to slay Christ and bring Christ to the earth through Adam's seed. So then God brought the new Adam to the earth 
through Abraham's seed. You got it? That's how God ingeniously rescued man, by making a covenant with man. So everything Adam, uh, Abraham owned becomes, a, becomes God's, and everything God owns becomes Abraham's. All right, now, so the only way God could rescue man from his dilemma was to send a new Adam to start all over again. A perfect sinless Adam had to be sent to the earth to undo the works that the first Adam caused and give birth to a brand new creation. See, God needed a brand new creation, a brand new species of being on the earth. Like we are descendants of the first Adam, so we now want to become descendants of the second Adam, Christ. The same way. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Now, I'm going to use the Amplified Translation here, but you can use the New King James or the New Living, whatever translation you want. NIV is fine. Here we go. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, an individual personality. So the first man, Adam, was created from the dust, right? Became a living being. The last Adam, which is Christ, there's only two Adams, became a life-giving spirit Restoring the dead to life. Restoring the dead to life. So you were dead in your sins. Right? So God brought you back from death into life. Forty-six. But it is not the spiritual life, but it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. So it wasn't Christ that came first, it was first the Adam and then Christ. 47, the first man, referring to Adam, was from out of the earth, made of dust, earthly-minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven, referring to Christ. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, just as you have borne the image of the first Adam, how did that happen? You're born on the planet. So if you're born on this planet, then you are a descendant of Adam. If you're not born from this planet here and you're here this morning, I have sad news for you. You're not a descendant of Adam. Okay. I want to see how many of you are born on this planet, please. Would you raise your hand? Some of you don't know where you came from. Okay, fine. Just checking. We can help you after the service. Forty-nine, and just as you have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we, so shall we, and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. So you are an exact duplication of the first Adam, and you are an exact duplication of Christ, the second Adam. So that I am an exact duplication of the first Adam, and I am an exact duplication of the second Adam, Christ. That's who you are. We are children of Adam because we were born on the planet. And how do we take on the image of the new Adam? Jesus said in John 3, 7, you must be born again. 
So just like you're born to become a descendant of the first Adam, you have to get born again to become a descendant of the second Adam. You have to get born twice. How does that happen? By confessing that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we are born again. By confessing that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, when I say that, then God's life enters into my spirit. The life of God enters into me. Just like a light bulb. When I take a wire that's got a plug on it, a light bulb on the end, and I plug it into electricity, the light comes on. That dead light bulb begins to shine with the life of that electricity. So just like that, the dead, when they accept Christ, become like that lit up light bulb with God's glory in them. The life of Christ is your life. You had no life before like the dead light bulb. No life. They, are, they, are, they exist forever in hell, but they have no life in them. That's why they're dead in their sins, according to the Bible, right? Now, the moment you accept Christ, the life of God begins to shine in us. His life is our life. That's how we become a descendant of the second Adam. You get born into the life of God. Ephesians 2.8. New Living Translation, go there. Ephesians 2.8, go there, please. All right? God saved you by a special favor, by grace. When you believed, praise God. So this, I got saved when I believed. Now, how did you believe? You heard the word. When the word comes, faith comes. That's when you believed. Now, watch this. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Say, Mount Salvation is a gift from God. I can't work for it. Can't earn it. I don't deserve it. Now watch this. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So many people try and work and earn their salvation. You can't do it. It's not a reward for the good things you have done. So no one, none of us can boast about it. Praise the Lord. The life of Christ entered into your spirit through the preaching of God's word. When you heard the word of God, faith came to believe. 1 Peter 1.23. Go there, please. This is important, so I'm going to wait for you to get there. 1 Peter 1.23. The first book of Peter, chapter 1. And verse 23. I'm going to read from the New King James translation here, okay? We got it? Right at the back of your New Testament. It says, having been born again. All right, so you're born the second time. How did that happen? Not of corruptible seed. Not of corruptible seed. You're born, but this time, not by human seed, which is corruptible, subject to failure. The seed of a man might work, might not work. So you've been born again, not of corruptible seed. But incorruptible. What seed's that? That's incorruptible. Can't fail. It's through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now hold your Bible up and say, hold your Bible up. Say this. Man has seed. 
and God has seed. And say, God's seed is God's word. And when you speak the word, or when I hear it, it goes into my heart, the womb, the womb, the, my heart is my womb. It goes in, it germinates, and brings forth fruit after its kind. So when God's seed comes in, say that, when God's seed comes in, then God arises inside of me, and God's life is manifest in and through me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So that every seed produces after its own kind. So the scripture tells us we are born again through the power of God's word, which is incorruptible seed. Second Corinthians, please go there. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. We're finding out who we are, right? We're finding out who we are. No one's going to leave you and say, well, I'll go, go find myself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. New King James. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody that's in Christ, this applies to you. If you have Christ in you, then, he's, then you are in him, right? Now watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, not going to be, might be, someday hopes to be. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things have become new. When you look in the mirror, your face is still the same. Your body hasn't changed. Your body has not been redeemed yet. It will be redeemed at the time of the rapture. It's been paid for, but it hasn't changed yet. When you die, go be the Lord. Jesus will come back. If you've, all those have gone on, and their bodies will come out the grave. They'll be redeemed. They'll be redeemed at that point. Your mind is renewed by the Word of God. Your mind is renewed. Okay? So we, we, we wash our mind our brain. See, folks have said to me, or said to folks in the church for years, don't go to that church because Apostle Theo will brainwash you. I tell them, you go tell those folks. That's the reason I go is because I need my brains washed with the Word because my brains are being polluted by all the stinking thinking of the world and I need my brains washed with the Word of God. Amen. Yes, I do wash your brains and I recommend you get Extreme washing by getting my books, okay? <laughs> and going to Bible school. <laughs> what's, that, what's that called when you have strong like, um, washing liquid? It's called, uh, concentration. It's concentration. Bible school is concentration washing. <laughs> concentrated washing okay so the preaching of God's word entered through uh, the preaching the, the, sorry the life of God entered the preaching of the word that's what we got to now you found 2 Corinthians 5 17 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So all things have become new. It's not talking about the physical body or the mind. It's talking about your spirit, your spirit man. All the dead is gone. What was in there is Satan's nature. Hatred, greed, selfishness, pride, rebellion. All that was in your nature. You had Satan's nature because he was your God and your Lord. And he was controlling your thoughts and actions. I can prove that in several scriptures. However, you've been transferred into Christ's kingdom. Now Christ is in you. And he encourages and directs our thoughts and actions. All right? So it's totally different. All things have become new. All right, now go to 1 Peter 2.11. You are a new creation, a new species of being. 1 Peter 2.11. Dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here. You are foreigners and aliens. All the new creation are not of this planet. You are born from a heavenly Adam. Your Adam is from heaven. You are a supernatural being in a natural body. You are God indwelt men and women. You are a new species. When you walk down the street, family of God, you're walking among dead light bulbs and you are a living lit light bulb. You are a different species of being. That's who you are. And that anointing is going to grow stronger in these end times for all the wise virgins until you walk down those streets and demons cry out when you pass them by. Until they hear the sick are healed in the streets around you, not even praying for them. When people cry out for mercy when they see you and ask God to save them, they'll see the glory on you. On this particular trip, we went to New York for three days this week, and several people I walked up to, to buy stuff from or whatever it was, I said to them, I said, I can see the glory of God on you. You're a believer in Jesus. And they began to smile. How did you know? I said, well, I can see the glory of God. I can see the presence of God on you. And they were so excited to hear that. But it's true. We can already see the glory of God on you and in you. It's going to grow brighter. What happened to Moses is a type and a shadow of what's coming. Now, you are a new creation, child of God. That's what you are. So now, how does God see this new creation? Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image and likeness. Remember that? We read that in the beginning. And verse 28 said, and God gave them dominion, right? Remember that? Now have a look at Psalm 8. Go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8, please. In your Bible. And look at verse 6. These words. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You made him have dominion 
of the works of your hands. Now, the same thing in the New Living Translation, if I could have that up, Psalm 8, 6. You put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things. Hmm. Say this, Adam and Eve were given authority over the universe, all the creation of God's hands. Christ put us back into that position when we accepted Him as Lord and Savior. We are back in that position, God's intention, His original intention. That's why He says in Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in the heavens. Whatever you allow on earth is allowed in the heavens. And John 14, 12, in my name, whatever you command, I'll do it. Whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. You see, family of God, he put us in charge. He gave us authority. Christ left the church in charge, but the church doesn't know who the church is. We don't realize what we have and who we are. That's why we have, through ignorance, allowed the devil to do to this world what he did to Adam and Eve. He wants to do what he did to Adam and Eve all over again now. He's not going to do it. We're going to stop him. We're going to stop him. We're going to slow him down until the rapture, and then we're going, then he can do what he wants to do. Then he can do what he wants to do. I know things are going to get tough before the rapture. It's not going to be rainbows and ponies, believe me. But still, we're going to rise. This tough survive. We're going to rule and reign in that time. You ready? We're going to push him back. Stop this. We're going to stop the Antichrist. As I said before, Daniel stopped Nebuchadnezzar from one world government. The Roman Empire was stopped. Hitler was stopped. And today, we're going to stop this. Not, not with natural weapons, supernatural weapons. So God sees you back in fellowship with himself. He sees you back in fellowship, hold on now, on the same level of fellowship as his son Jesus has with him. The fellowship that Jesus has and the relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the same level of fellowship and relationship you and I have with the Father. That's why he said, come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. And you'll be assured of a glad welcome. God sees you ruling and reigning all over circumstances of this life through Christ again. That's who you are. That's God's image of you. That's the way God sees you. God bought that for you. He paid for it on the cross with his life. God sees you in the image of Christ. He sees you just like his son Christ. Can God see me just like he sees Christ? Absolutely. Let's see if we can find that in the Bible. Romans 8.29. Have a look at that. Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29. And God also 
predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. It was always God's plan that we would be just like Christ. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. 1 John 4, 17. Now this is going to blow you right away. Have a look in your Bible. 1 John, right in the back of your New Testament. 1 John 4, 17. The B part of the verse. It says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. As Christ is, so are we when we get to heaven. No, now in this world. Say that. The Bible said, as Christ is, so am I now in this world. Amen. So God sees you just like the second Adam. Say this, the caterpillar has become the butterfly. Now somebody said, Apostle Thea, I see the Bible says that I'm made an image and likeness of Christ, even now while I'm on the earth. However, I find this hard to believe because I know I have faults and I have failings. I know them. I know I have. So therefore, I'm not like Christ. Okay, listen very carefully here now. What you're saying is true. You have faults and you have failings. However, those failings and faults are temporal truth. Temporal truth. Which means it is truth that can change. It is truth that can change. You are not the same today as you were yesterday or last year, are you? You're not the same today as you were 10 years ago. And you won't be the same in a year or two from now. You see, you... The truth about who you are in the natural will change. But God's Word can never change. God's Word can never change. Mark 13, 31, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. And God's Word is legal truth. It is eternal truth and can never change. So when legal eternal truth comes to bear pressure on natural truth, the circumstances will change. But God's Word can never change. So when you start seeing what God says about you and start meditating on what God says about you, you're going to start changing into what God says about you because that seed will go into your heart and give birth to that which you are reading in your life. So we can begin to experience and enjoy what God says we are if we begin to see ourselves where we are. So I'm going to invite you to take the scriptures I'm giving you this morning, write them down, and go home and meditate on them, make a list of them, and read them every day until that gets into your heart and starts bearing fruit in your life. We must change our heart image of ourselves. Change our heart image of ourselves. By reprogramming our thinking, by washing our brains with the Word of God. Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks, we looked at that last week in depth. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why it is so important to keep coming to church, family, to keep listening to sermons like this. Somebody said, Apostle Thea, well, I've already said that. Now, let's look at God's image of us. Let's see how God sees us. Um, in Numbers chapter 13, Moses, this is Old Testament, Moses sent out 12 spies to spy out the land of Canaan. Remember, the Israelites came from Egypt through the wilderness to Canaan. 
When they got to the borders, Moses sent out 12 spies to spy out the land to plan a battle strategy. And 10 spies came back and they said to Moses and the 3 million Israelites who were waiting to hear what they had to say, we can't take the land because there are giants there, 11 foot tall, 12 foot tall. We can't fight them. Now, I'm just amazed that the God who's destroyed the whole empire of Egypt, the strongest nation on the planet, with plagues, and then drowned the entire army of Egypt in the Red Sea, and then brought water out of a rock, manna from heaven, and a cloud that led them by day and a fire by night, He couldn't beat a 12-foot giant, that God. That was just too much for him. Now, 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 Moses, you're asking too much. I'm sorry, I've met my match. How are these guys thinking or not thinking? But thank God for Josh and Caleb, because they said, we can. Let's go in and take it right now. God's on our side. So now here's the question. Do we know why? Do we know why the ten spies made such a confession of doubt and unbelief? Why did they do that? Here's the reason, family. Because of their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. Their lack of faith in who God is and His ability and what He'll do for them. And so they ended up having a bad image of themselves. So there's a lack of faith ends up bringing the person a bad image of themselves. Because, you see, once you've heard what you're hearing today, you can't have a bad image of yourself. But if you don't know God's for you, and then you've got to go find yourself, you have a bad image of yourself. And that's what happened here. These ten spies had no faith in God and had a bad image of themselves. Listen to their very own words in Numbers 13, 33. This is what they said to Moses and the three million Israelites. There we saw in Canaan the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So now they said, when we looked up at these 12-foot-high giants, I thought to myself, I looked like a grasshopper. That's not the worst. Watch this. And so we were in their sight. So now they're saying, the giants looked at us and thought, look at that grasshopper down there. And my question is, how would that doubting spy know what the giant is thinking? You see? Because of his lack of faith, his imagination runs crazy and wild. And we have those Christians too, because they don't know who they are. You know, in South Africa, we have a game called rugby. And if, a, if there's a loose ball, in other words, somebody loses the ball and it goes out in the field, everybody will run and jump on it. They'll run and jump on it, or they'll start just pick, somebody will pick it up and push it. And then you'll have people run from the one team and the other team in that scrum hit that scrum. Or you'll have a scrum, which is they throw the ball in and see who pushes the ball over the, in their direction. They get the ball to play with. 
So when this scrum happens, where the two teams come in opposition to push over the ball, somebody sitting up in the grandstand bumps the person next to him and says, look at that. You see those people down there? They're talking about me. I promise you right now, they're talking about me. 120,000 people in the stadium. But they know that's what they're doing. They got into a huddle so they can talk about me. And that's what we've got in our world today. They have grasshopper mentality because they don't know who they are. And they think the worst of everything. And everybody's thinking the worst of them. Hello. And you ask them how they're doing, you better get ready for an hour of hearing bad news. Their mind is not renewed to the Word of God. The result is small faith and bad image. Say that small faith faith. brings a bad image. image. Romans 8.15. So you should not be. Let's go there. This is important. Romans 8.15. New Living Translation. You should not be like like cowering, fearful slaves. You should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. Slaves of the devil. You should be able to say like God's very own children, adopted into His family, calling Him Father, dear Father. For His Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we will share His treasures, for everything God gives to His Son Christ is ours too. So that everything God has given to Christ belongs to me. Tell the person next to you, this is so important, tell them. Say, everything God has given to Christ belongs to me. Tell the person on the other side of you, say this. Everything God has given to Christ, He has given to me. That's what the Bible said. Now say this, what God did for Christ at the resurrection... He was doing for me because Christ was there on my behalf. You see, Christ was perfectly fine in heaven. He's the creator of all things. But he left heaven, took on a man, the shape and form of man, to die on the cross for us in our place and then go to hell for three days and nights in our place. Now, in my book on the covenant, I'll give you tons of scriptures to prove that he went to hell. I don't want to debate that. I've debated several people about that already. Nevertheless, it's in my book. Now, when he rose from the dead, you see, when he died on the cross, he said, why have you forsaken me? God's life departed from him. He became a dead light, light bulb. The Spirit of God left. He went into hell as a dead light bulb. No life in him. Then on the third day, when God said the human race has been punished and now I have forgiven them, Christ was released. Since he was in hell because of our sin, when we were forgiven, he was released. So the life spirit of God entered back into him and he stood up. Now he was the first of the new creation. Christ there became the first of the new creation. The Bible said he was the firstborn from the dead. 
born in the manger is not being born from the dead. There's three places in the Bible that Christ was the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn. You are the second, third, fourth, fifthborn, and so on, from the dead. Exact duplication of first Christ. Exact duplication of Adam. So God, the Spirit of God, in him, he was raised from the dead. So this, everything that God did for Christ at the resurrection, he was doing that for us. He made us. The new creation, that's what he did. He created us right there. He created us right there. That's why Christ went. To create the new creation. Now so there's everything God did to Christ at the resurrection, he was doing to me. Because he's my substitute. God paid for you to have the attributes of Christ working in you. So that God paid for me to have the attributes of Christ, the qualities of Christ, the abilities of Christ, the nature of Christ, the character of Christ. I'm wise with Christ's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2.16. 1 Corinthians. Don't go there. Just write, you can write it down if you want. Say this. I'm wise with Christ's wisdom because 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, I have the mind of Christ. So I have Christ's wisdom to solve everything I have to deal with. I have Christ's wisdom to deal with all life's challenges. I'm strong with Christ's strength. Psalm 27.1 says, God is the strength of my life. Say it. God is the strength of my life. Psalm 27.1. Please. I am righteous with Christ's righteousness. Okay, guys, you need to say this. If you say it, it's going to go into your heart. You see? If you say it, it's going to go into your heart, and when it sits in your heart, it's going to direct your life. You're going to change. Your life's going to change. All right? Please, trust me, this is going to work for you. Okay? I'm a doctor. After all, I'm a doctor. Say, ah, open wide. Take your medication now. You ready? Okay. <laughs> I used to say that to my kids. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Okay. Say this. I'm righteous with Christ's righteousness. According to Romans 3.22 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm righteous with Christ's righteousness. I'm alive with the life of Christ. Christ is my life. According to Colossians 3, 4. I am complete in Christ. According to Colossians 2, 10. And that word in the Greek, by the way, means perfect. So say that I am perfect in Christ. I stand before the Father without guilt, shame, inferiority, no complexes, because I am perfect in Christ. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 4 says, you must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. That's a new creation. You are created in God's likeness. You are righteous, holy, and true. That's what God made you 
That's what happened to you when Christ entered your, your heart. Do we know who we are? Do we know who we are, family? Say this, I don't need to go find myself. Amen. Now, this is part one. We're just laying the foundation here. It's going to get wild in part two and three. So bring your dancing shoes, your Nikes, or your, not your Nikes, not your Reeboks. I'm going to close with this story. In 2015, it's not a story, it's a dream I had. In 2015, we were in Hawaii and I had a dream. I dreamt that I was watching the resurrection. I dreamt I was watching Christ in hell when the Spirit of God entered him in the fires of hell. He was burning and suffering for us, but the Spirit of God entered him. And I was there watching. I wasn't in suffering. I wasn't in pain. I was just watching. And the Spirit of God entered him and he stood up in his complete authority and power and anointing. Instantly. It was so fast. Trillionth of a second. But here's the thing that impacted me. This is, I said that to say this. The moment that happened, instantaneously, not afterwards, but instantaneously, the same, the same trillionth of a second, what happened to him happened to me. I felt this explosion on the inside of me, this impact, and it shook me. I woke up, and I thought, what was that all about? And then instantly I realized the Lord was saying, when I raised Christ and recreated him to be the new Adam and the new, the new species, the first of the born again, I did that to every person that will ever be born and ever was born who believed. They will receive it now after the, creation, after the resurrection. The thing is, Every person on the planet has that privilege. If they reject Christ or not, it belongs to them. That's the tragedy. That's what Christ paid for. And Satan's trying to keep that from us. And doesn't want us to tell them. And blind their minds so they can't understand. But the power of prayer changes all of that. And we're going to fix all that on Tuesday night.